Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. guys, welcome back to a new episode. At the top end here, I want to share several kind of life updates related to content. And one of the places to start with that is I was talking to a friend this last week and he said to me, and it was really profound and so helpful. He said, staff, leaders don't drop the ball. They choose which balls to set down. I just giggled a little bit. That was childish of me. Anyways, it really got me thinking. There are several new adventures that I'm thinking about. There's one very soon that's going to be picking up here, which I'm going to share about in a moment. But when that's true, at some point, things have to be set down at least for a season. And so as I was going through kind of restructuring life, one of the things that I'm stepping away from is writing for the blog that I write for. And that's been three years. That's been a great season to really kind of fine tune my craft of writing. But I want to do actual writing for the book that I'm working on. And so because that's true, kind of the supplemental writing is going to be put on a little bit of a hiatus. The second thing that I'm going to set down isn't the podcast in totality, but I am going to go from two episodes a week down to one episode a week. And hopefully it will be very, you know, rich content and they might be a touch longer episodes. Right now they tend to be 12 to 15 minutes. I might expand that out to be more 15 to 20 minutes. But at this point in time, two episodes recorded each weekend isn't going to fit in with some of the other plans that I have going forward. One of those I'm excited to share with you, especially because I know I have many women who I walk with in their therapy journeys that listen to this. And I want to let you know about a local opportunity. So a girlfriend and I are going to be teaching a group counseling dynamic. It's it's a psychoeducation group. It's a practice skills group. So it is a therapy group. And that's going to start the last week of September on Tuesdays from 10 to 11:15 in the morning. And so the sign up for that will start in about a week here. We're still getting kind of some of the logistics behind the scenes handled. But because I want to pick that up and I want to be very intentional about in-face real time being prepared and running these groups effectively, I'm going to have to set some other things down. For the first six sessions on boundaries, it's going to be $50 in totality. And you're going to come for six different sessions where we're going to do some kind of psychoeducation, we're going to practice some skills, and then we're going to have an opportunity to kind of run through some scenarios And then you go out and apply these things in the real world. So my girlfriend and I are very excited for those opportunities. Now, we both operate uh, personally out of a faith context. This group will be out of a faith context. So if that's not for you, I absolutely get it. It's going to be very content rich, but it's going to use scripture as kind of the underpinnings there. And so if you're interested, wait about a week and we'll give some more concrete information on that. But again, if I'm picking that up, I have to set some things down. And so starting this week, it will just be the one episode per week. Unless I'm feeling particularly spicy, I might throw a second episode up. Or if I'm feeling particularly inspired, that might happen too. But I also have the YouTube content. I just launched uh, part of the TikTok piece. So there are lots of ways to get like good quality content if you're interested. So one fewer episode of the podcast a week doesn't feel like I'm kind of totally removing myself from accessibility. That being said, I want to share about my hopes and my dreams with you. I want to share about next chapters. I want to share about, you know, things that... um, 
bring me a lot of confusion. So I'm in a space of not really knowing what the next step is. And I'm stepping forward in faith, trying to figure out some of that. And that's a way of me being somewhat vulnerable with you guys saying, I don't have it all together. I don't have, you know, clear vision moving forward. I have a lot of my own personal distress. And I can say that in real time, because it matters that you know that when stuff feels messy and unsettled, that's not abnormal. That's not just a you thing. We are messy, complex, complicated humans. It's an us thing. We all go through that. One of the things that some of us struggle with when we go through the messiness is being vulnerable. And I had such an interesting conversation with a client this last week where she had a friend call her up and say, you know what? A year ago, X, Y, and Z was happening and it was really hard for me. And my client's looking at me saying, Steph, this is a real shift in the in the friendship. She's never really told me about the hard stuff before she's letting me in. And I said, ooh, I don't think she is letting you in. I said, she's calling you and telling you about something that happened a year ago. Now it's all settled. Now it's all taken care of. That's not vulnerability, my friend. She's just sharing her story. She's sharing a narrative. If you were looking at someone who was vulnerable in the season of distress, she would have been reaching out to you, letting you know that stuff was hard for her. And here's the thing I said, you spent last year trying to mind read, trying to step into spaces with her, trying to sort through things with her, trying to figure stuff out. And she blocked you every step of the way. She kept you at arm's length. She kept distance between the two of you. And now she's talking to a year later about how hard it was. I said, that's just not vulnerability. So I I cautioned her, do not buy into this hook, line, and sinker like she's, you know, traversing new area in the friendship. I don't think that's quite what's happening here. Now, sadly, I could sit there with client and say, you know what? I learned these things the hard way. For a long time, I didn't ask for help. I had hyper-independence running. And I thought I was easy to work with because I was independent. I took care of all of the things. But it took two conversations in tandem to let me know just how wrong I was. As the marriage was rupturing, what happened there was he said to me, he said, Steph, I can't get close to you. He said, hard stuff happens and I experience like you've got your arm out and you will only let me come so close to you and I don't know how to get any closer. And then I look at how I intersect. Um, I'm, I'm doing some specific work on trying to dive into kind of peer relationships and why I have some quirkiness that shows up there. And one of the things I reflected on last week is I would have been a really hard person to like as a peer. Going through middle school and high school, it would have been tough to be my friend. There was high levels of neediness. There was also high levels of aversion to people. I was skeptical of people. I protected myself. One of the things about a disorganized attachment is there's a push-pull that goes on. There's this desire, please get close to me. But in the almost the next breath, there's this pushing away of no, stay far away from me. And right around the time my ex-husband shared that, something had unfolded at work. And my boss is a friend of mine, but he said to me, he said, Steph, honestly, when you do, and he let me know that there was a particular conversation where he felt pretty affronted. He said, when you lash out like that, he said, I experience like you've got your elbows out and no one's allowed anywhere closer than elbow length. Which, hey, that sounds better than, you know, ex-husband saying that it was arm's length. I mean, at this point, at least we're just an elbow away. But I think that was accurate for where I was at. Now, thankfully, I've hung out in therapy for the last 17 months and things have shifted drastically, but there's still work to do because it's been a lifetime of not wanting to bother people. It's a 30-year history that I've got running here. So it's going to take quite a while to rewrite that, but we have to believe we're able to rewrite that. And here's how I know change is happening for me. So last Tuesday night was, it was a hard night clinically. There was some stuff going on that kind 
kind of really just landed heavily on me. And on my way home, I Marco Polo'd a friend and said, hey, do you have any best practices? Because I'm walking away from this particular session feeling A, B, and C right now. And I'm feeling a little bit of frustration that I don't know how to proceed. And so he had given me some feedback that was helpful. But Wednesday morning, I was still feeling somewhat discombobulated. So when I went to work out, my uh, workout buddy just said to me, he said, hey, how's your night? And usually I'd be like, I'm fine. It was fine. We're fine. And kind of move through it. And I said, honestly, I said, it, it was just a rough night last night. And he said, why did you not get a lot of sleep? I said, no, it wasn't sleep. I said, you know, I have this case that I'm working on and I'm not making a lot of headway. And this is what I'm experiencing. And he just kind of sat there with me and he said, oh, that does sound tough. He said, when I worked in emergency room, I saw cases like X, Y, and Z happen. And those always hit me hard too. And so in tandem, I kind of reached out to someone and then I kind of lamented to someone else in real time that I was struggling. Now, the cool thing was I was also at my workout class and I like to get really gritty there and that tends to help me process stuff too. So by the end of class, I was feeling exponentially better. That's how I know change is happening for me because I say things like, hey, can we chat? And I'm having a hard time. What was really interesting too is uh, maybe two weeks ago, I had a really good girlfriend reach out to me and she said, I just need to vent. I'm really frustrated right now. And I, you know, text her back. I said, feel free to give me a call. And we had about a 30 minute conversation of something she had experienced. And then we just had some casual chit chat and stuff. And she was telling me about some upcoming plans. But later on that day, I text her back and I said, thank you for choosing to invite me into that. This isn't necessarily a dynamic to our relationship that's been here before, but I appreciate it. And also I know that I can return that type of phone call when something hard happens. And I said to myself in those moments, Steph, she's one of your people. You call her when the hard stuff happens. And whether it's you vent for a minute, whether it's you are actually going to have a cathartic experience because you just, you know, you're overwhelmed, whether it's you're wrestling through something and you're asking for guidance, those are all things I can do. And those are things I can do because again, for 17 months in therapy, we've challenged the idea that I'm not supposed to have needs or I'm not supposed to need help. And that's ludicrous. I can't call people a year from now and say, hey, I was really struggling then and this is what I went through and expect any type of improvement in my relationships. That's not vulnerable at best. That's pseudo vulnerability and pseudo vulnerability does not connect us in relationships well. So what is actual vulnerability? Well, it's possibly being exposed to attack or harm. It means I actually put myself out there and there is a chance that I get hurt in the process because I choose to trust someone and perhaps I trust someone who ends up not being trustworthy. But I'm only going to know that when I test the bridge of do we have a relationship that can sustain this. Now we by our very nature, we're pain aversive. So it makes sense that if we've been burned in relationships before, we don't wanna go down that road. But friends, it is not living life if we are hyper independent. It is not for our good if we are hyper independent. I had two Two women come in last week and both of them had an injury happen to them within a few days. So one of them has a broken arm and one of them rolled her ankle. And both of these are women who are incredibly hyper independent. And they're sitting there, you know, on one, one hand fuming and on the other hand just sobbing that they've got to ask people for help right now. So, you know, one who's got a hurt ankle, one of her family members is trying to like help her and she keeps getting up and kind of popping in and saying, no, let me do this, let me do this, let me do that. And, and the family member literally picks her up and brings her into the living room and sets her down and says, sit there and stop, I'm allowed to help you. But she's so stubborn, but I see that again and again. I was so stubborn, my clients are so stubborn. When we don't want help, it is a high level of distress that we experience. And guess what? That's when the practice has to happen. When when you have a reason for people to come alongside of you, you've got to put your weapons down. You've got to put your elbows down. You've got to put your hands down and stop resisting it. We are supposed to ask for 
help. We are supposed to receive generosity. We are supposed to let people close to us. And yes, it comes with a cost, but it also comes with a cost if we don't let people in. So many people struggle with this core issue of vulnerability, but of course we do. Being hurt sucks. Being open to potential wounding sucks, but being disconnected sucks worse, my friends. And the cool thing is this is a skill set in which we can grow. So last week, as I'm talking with clients and over the last couple of years, even as I'm working uh, treatment plans with clients, we have a couple things that we can do. Number one, when someone is vulnerable with us or someone asks us for help, Take note of how nice it feels to help someone, to be the support. It feels awesome to have something to offer other people in their moments of stress. And other people want to experience helping us as well. Humility says we've got to understand that other people benefit when we are interdependent, when we let our guards down. The second thing I do with clients is figure out who you might best practice this skill with, so being vulnerable, and let them know that it's something that you're working on. Now, usually it's women because I just work with a high volume of women compared to my other caseload, but with women, often they'll go to their significant other and they'll say, um, a significant other? I'm supposed to ask you for help more, so I'm gonna practice that this week, okay? Um, I'm probably gonna express my needs on occasion and I'm gonna hate doing it, but it's something that I need to practice if I wanna get better. And the significant others usually are elated. They're like, wahoo, therapy rocks, yes, please, tell me how I can help. And then the third thing we do is we can engage conversation and say, okay, like let's say my friend who called me and invented and shared, I do want to reciprocate that when I'm having a struggle, but I'm probably going to call her and say something like, hey, I want to share something with you a minute, but I just want to vent. I'm not asking for advice. That is such a golden conversation prompt. I want to encourage you to delineate what is your need when you're actually reaching out for someone, because otherwise you can walk away very frustrated because they're just assuming you want help help or you want some sort of response or sometimes you receive criticism and, and you weren't even asking for any advice. You want to be specific with someone about this is what I'm seeking in this specific situation. That is vulnerable because they can refuse you. They can do whatever they want. But in many of our stories, when we take the time to explain, hey, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm seeking, people usually will come alongside of us very quickly in that. Now, the fourth thing that I have to prepare clients for is it's going to be clunky and slow going. I'm talking about 30 years of hyper-independence for me. And one of the stories that pops up when I'm thinking about this, I remember we couldn't find a hotel one night when I was like, we were on a family vacation and I was probably five or six years old and we didn't find a hotel. So parents were like, okay, let's just sleep in the van on the side of the road, not such a big deal. And I remember having to go to the bathroom so badly, but I would not ask for help. I would not inconvenience anyone. And so I ended up peeing in the seat while we're on family vacation. Now that certainly wasn't a better outcome, but it certainly gives me great insight that even as young as five or six, I refuse to be an inconvenience to people. I refuse to express my needs. That is a long-standing history that I have to combat now that I'm in my mid-30s. So it's going to be clunky, it's going to be slow going, and it's not a cute process, I assure you. But one of the ways to show up better is to be confident asking for help. Even if you're quivering inside, you can ask for help and still look confident. And the more you practice that, the more you will actually be confident in asking for help. 
It is one of the coolest things to say, I actually don't know everything. Furthermore, I don't want to know everything. I don't want to, and I've, I've used this before in my own life, I don't want to have to be my own plumber, my own home renovator, my own AC person, my own electrician, all of those things. I'm going to have to ask for help again and again. And those are people I hire, but I don't want to be my own therapist constantly. I don't want to be my own support system. I don't want to be my own person to hold me when I'm struggling. I'm going to want people for that too. And I don't want to have to hire it constantly. So I'm probably going to have to put my guard down, put my weapons down, put my elbows down and my hands down and let people get close to me. And I'm going to have to do that in real time as I'm struggling if I expect a relationship to be mutually beneficial where I can show up for other people, but they're allowed to show up for me too. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.